When we start looking at mastitis, you've got to think about where we've come from. We started with understanding mastitis really largely through research in the dairy industry. Welcome to Breastfeeding with ABA, a podcast brought to you by volunteers with the Australian Breastfeeding Association. Breastfeeding with ABA is a podcast about breastfeeding made by parents for parents. In this episode, we'll be talking about a breast infection called mastitis with some handy hints about how to treat it. We are recording this podcast from different parts of Australia. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we are recording this podcast and on which you are listening. We pay our respects to Indigenous Elders, past, present and emerging, and especially any Aboriginal people who may be listening today. We also acknowledge the Indigenous women of Australia who have been living, working, birthing and breastfeeding and raising children successfully on this country for tens of thousands of years. My name is Nicole and I'm a volunteer breastfeeding counsellor and community educator with the Australian Breastfeeding Association. I am speaking from my home on the lands of the Darug people in Western Sydney, New South Wales. I have three children, two daughters and one son, and they are currently aged between 10 and 21 years. I'm here today with Dr. Wendy Ingman, who is the THRF Associate Professor of Breast Cancer Research at the University of Adelaide. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you, Nicole. Dr. Ingman is a mammary gland biologist and her approach to breastfeeding is going to come from that perspective. Wendy, perhaps you can tell me what it means to be a mammary gland biologist because that's a term we don't hear very often. Biology is the study of life. And so as a mammary gland biologist, I study how the different cells in the breast communicate with each other and how they work together to produce milk during lactation. And I also study the underlying biology of how disease states in the breast develop, such as mastitis. We as mammals are one of 5,000 different species which use mammary glands to make milk to provide nourishment to our offspring. So, Wendy, we hear a lot about mastitis. I know often when we're talking to mothers antenatally or prenatally, it's one of the biggest fears that they will get mastitis. But what exactly is it and how can that impact on breastfeeding? Mastitis is inflammation of the breast. And it often appears as a a redness or a, a pain in the breast. And it is accompanied by systemic symptoms such as a fever or chills, aches, flu like symptoms. It can range from being quite mild to severe, requiring hospitalization. It can lead to breast abscess as well in a small percent of cases. So it is a disease which needs to be taken seriously. It can occur quite rapidly as well. It's accompanied by a reduction in milk volume as well. And it's incredibly debilitating for women who have a new baby and a lot of stress and perhaps they're sleep deprived as well. So coming down with such an intense series of symptoms is really debilitating. So it's not surprising that there is a fear of the disease Mm. in breastfeeding women. And it is a common disease as well. About one in five women will experience mastitis in the first six months after having Mm. a baby. So Wendy, you were saying that there are over 5,000 different mammal species. 
do we all actually lactate the same or are there differences? There are a lot of similarities between our mammary glands of different species, but there are also some really important differences. Mammals are broken up into three different categories. One of them is the eutherian mammals. So they're the placental mammals like ourselves. Most mammals that you will think of will be eutherian mammals. Then there are also marsupials, who are the pouch mammals. So kangaroos and and koalas nurture their offspring in a pouch. And then there are the monotremes, and they're the egg-laying mammals, such as the echidna and the platypus. And each of these different classes of or types of mammals do have differences between how they use lactation to nurture their offspring. And there are some really fascinating differences, actually. And, And one of my real fascinations with different mammals is is really with marsupials. As Australians, I think we have a a particular connection to marsupials as well. But when you, you think about marsupial lactation, we have the wallaby, for example. The Tamar wallaby has been very well studied in terms of its lactation. And these wallabies give birth to incredibly underdeveloped young. So they have a a gestation length of about 26 days. So when the Tamar wallaby gives birth, it is this tiny little pink jelly bean. It doesn't have eyes or proper limbs or anything. It's hairless. And it crawls up into its mother's pouch where it finds a teat and becomes permanently attached to that teat. And it completes the rest of its development, which is nearly a year long development in the pouch using lactation as its source of nutrients for its development. So it has a very specific strategy for its development, which is based very much on lactation and not quite so much on gestation, which Mm -hmm. is more our strategy. And so in order to do that and to undergo such an enormous amount of developmental change across this infant wallaby's development, the milk composition has to change as the baby grows. So Mm -hmm. At the beginning, there is a composition of milk which will support the early development. And then as the wallaby becomes older and older, its its developmental needs change and it, the milk actually will change to accommodate that, which is really fascinating. And, and the Tamar wallaby also has this incredible ability to uh, undergo asynchronous lactation where it can be providing milk for a tiny little baby infant using one teat, but also providing more mature milk for an older wallaby, Joey, that is in and out of the pouch. So, you know, this is really tandem breastfeeding to the extreme. Um, So I'm I'm absolutely fascinated by, by marsupial lactation and what we can learn about mammalian lactations by comparing different species. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And as much as you, you've obviously outlined and described the, the big differences between that and human lactation, I can see a lot of similarities too in terms of the tandem breastfeeding and that kind of thing too. So that's really amazing. So, Wendy, are we just like cows? When we start looking at mastitis, you've got to think about where we've come from. We started with understanding mastitis really largely through Uh, research in the dairy industry. 
the dairy industry is an enormous industry and really that's where the the focus has been on research for that reason because of the costs uh, associated with mastitis which has been a huge problem and about 40 years ago there was a huge effort to improve mastitis in dairy cows. There were sweeping changes where there was improved sterilisation of milking equipment, looking at the housing conditions for dairy cows, reducing overcrowding and culling chronically infected animals. And this had a, a dramatic impact on the prevalence of mastitis in dairy cows. And what that really pointed to was that the real problem for the dairy industry in terms of mastitis was being driven by bacteria. So pathogenic bacteria such as Staphylococcus aureus and Esuberus and E. coli were the culprits which were triggering inflammation in the mammary gland of these cows and causing this incredibly debilitating condition and reducing milk supply and and causing a lot of of pain and discomfort for Mm -hmm. those cows. So the assumption then that in humans, we have the same direct relationship between pathogenic bacteria and mastitis has not really been supported by clinical evidence. As far back as the year 2000, the World Health Organization published a document, Mastitis Causes and Management, and they identified this real paradox in our understanding of the relationship between bacterial pathogens and mastitis and noted that there are a lot of women who have severe mastitis who do not have detectable pathogenic bacteria in their milk or on their skin. And conversely, there are a lot of healthy women who have no problems with lactation who have quite high levels of pathogenic bacteria in their milk. So even though we do see pathogenic bacteria associated with mastitis, it is clearly not the only culprit when it comes to mastitis in women. And when you think about this, take a step back and think about how we live compared to how dairy cattle live. This isn't surprising. You know, we do not share milking equipment between women. We do not have these crowded housing conditions. So the spread of pathogenic bacteria does not occur similarly in humans as it does in dairy cows. So we really need to look more closely at what is triggering mastitis and what the predisposing factors are for mastitis in women Mm -hmm. and make our recommendations on how to treat mastitis in women based on the clinical evidence that we have for women, not dairy cows. And as you say, it can be extremely debilitating. And unfortunately, it's one of those diseases that does generally affect women when they're at their most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So when they are their most exhausted and most tired, which most for most women that is just after the birth of a baby. So yep. it's kind of like a big pile on. It's It can be difficult enough in those early weeks without that. And I've found right. myself personally that it can affect different women very differently. And even the same woman very differently each time. I've had three children and had it probably about six times over three lactations. And it's varied 
in terms of how quickly it affected me and how debilitating it was as well. So it can vary a lot, obviously between species, but even between, you know, from one experience to another in the same woman. And as much as it is very debilitating and quite serious, the great thing is that it is treatable. And I think that's an important message for mums to hear as well, not to be so scared of it, that they don't breastfeed or they don't continue breastfeeding. If if they get onto it quickly, that it can be treated. This is where we're coming from is really understanding what mastitis actually is and not assuming that it is the same disease as we see in the dairy industry and Mm. having an awareness of what the risk factors are and how they're affecting the breast and causing inflammation. But I should also say, Nicole, that we're really quite limited in our understanding of mastitis in humans Mm. because the research has just not progressed the same way as it has for the dairy industry. Very difficult condition to get funding for to do the research and you know what we keep coming back to when we look at the evidence for what works there's not a lot in terms of randomized control trials Mm. which really show what we should be doing so we're still able to make recommendations and and look at how best to manage it but I do hope that in the future we'll be able to do a much better job than we are now and this is where my research is is understanding some of the triggers of mastitis which are not so well understood and what we can do to prevent those triggers from occurring in the first place. And what would you say for mothers listening would be signs and symptoms of mastitis that they should be taking notice of? It's really first and foremost about discomfort in the breast. So a hot spot or redness or a lump. And there are a number of predisposing factors that if they're present, you could be developing mastitis, a damaged nipple, or if you've missed a feed, so there's an increase of milk or a poor attachment. So anything that could be increasing the amount of milk or the preventing proper emptying of the breast, so an oversupply of milk or rapid weaning or having a restriction on the breast such Mm. as tight bra or a seatbelt, for instance, that can just prevent some of the flow of milk. So a buildup of milk that hasn't been properly removed can increase the risk. And also another one is maternal stress and fatigue, which... (laughs) isn't necessarily something that you can uh, avoid easily <laughs> easily avoid um, there's, no, there's no there's no medication for that unfortunately no magic pill no and and really where we're coming from when I'm talking about these predisposing factors is the buildup of milk which hasn't mm. been expressed and this is really one of the important triggers of mastitis which is one which my research has really focused on rather than take the approach that there's bacteria there and they're the culprits. We can look at the buildup of milk, which is causing mechanical stretch and stress Mm -hmm. in the breast and triggering inflammation in the breast, which may or may not be associated with those pathogenic bacteria. And our research is starting to suggest that part of the issue with mastitis is the body's own response to that buildup of milk. And there are some women who have very sensitive 
immune systems to yes. the triggers. Mm. And when inflammation is triggered in the breast, we get these mastitis symptoms. And this can even create a breeding ground for the bacteria that are present as well. So bacteria can still be present and they can still be part of the disease, but they're not necessarily the triggers of it. That's really fascinating. Mm. What would we say to a mother in terms of treatment? What should she do if she's experiencing these symptoms? I think the first thing is the focus on removal of milk from the mm. breast, breastfeeding more often, getting some help to improve attachment, to make sure that the milk is being emptied from the whole breast, not, not part of it. Massage to help to clear if there's a blocked duct and also expressing milk after feeding. I know that these are not always the things that help women. You know, there's some blocked ducts that are just whatever um, someone does, it, mm. it doesn't clear. But they're the kinds of approaches that we can try to get yep. the milk flowing. And I think that's probably one of the most important things. And then also supportive measures. So these are things like getting a lot of rest and looking yeah. after yourself and going easy on yourself, drinking fluids, eating right and if needed, hospitalisation. And this gets to that stress and fatigue. Taking this seriously and getting help and getting support for a condition which really is debilitating and you need to take time to look after yourself as Absolutely. well as looking after your baby and looking after everyone else. This guidance comes from the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine who published about mastitis in 2014. And if you're interested in finding out more about their recommendations, you can search for them online. That document is available for you to have a look at. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the, the first things I always recommend to mums who suspect they may have mastitis is go to bed with the baby. Just mm. go to bed, feed, feed, feed. feed. But as we know, that can be so difficult for new mums sometimes, particularly if they might be at home alone, they've got a partner who's working out of the home, they might have other children that they're looking after as well. Yeah. So, yeah, and, no, and often, you know, women, we tend to not be very good at putting ourselves first and looking no, after ourselves either. No, but maybe after listening to this podcast. Hopefully. Hopefully, you, you've heard it here. The third thing as well is, of course, pharmacological management, analgesia, so anti-inflammatories and perhaps ibuprofen might be a bit better simply because it is an anti-inflammatory as well as being an analgesic mm -hmm. and antibiotics. And, you know, I wouldn't ever dismiss the role of antibiotics in mastitis management. If symptoms don't improve within 12 to 24 hours yeah. um, or if the woman is really acutely ill, then antibiotics would be recommended as well. Well, thank you very much for spending some time chatting to me today. It's been really fascinating and I'm sure that anyone listening will uh, learn something new as I have. I hope so. 